Welcome back, everybody, to episode eight of the Two Average Gyms podcast, the unofficial podcast for the University of Georgia football, brought to you from the wonderful studios here at Travis Fulton Stripe Show podcast studio. Please go out and follow Trav. Big thanks to Trav and the Stripe Show podcast for allowing us to be here. It's episode eight. We are fresh back in Jacksonville from our visit to God's country in Athens this weekend. And man, Jimbo, what a time we had. Holy moly. We were in the stadium. We were in the facility. We were with the national championship trophy. We were drinking beer in the locker room. Yeah. Uh, we were with the uh, Classic City Collective. We did the NIL deal. Kirby was at uh, talking to all of us. Uh, we did the Classic City Collective show. We did their tailgate. Uh, we got some time with the legendary Lauren Smith. Uh, which was incredible, one-on-one time for about two hours. Yeah. Uh, we got some fun stuff about that. Um, and I got to say, tough game for us, not exactly what we expected, obviously, but we remain undefeated. And ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you right now, downtown Athens remains undefeated. Yes, that's Jimbo and very I gave, true. We gave it everything we had this weekend. And we, we did. Once again, came out with a loss to downtown Athens. <laughs> downtown Athens, if you don't know, is home to 95 of the greatest restaurants in uh, a stab by drinking It might even be more than town. that. Probably could be now. But uh, downtown Athens is undefeated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we did give it everything we got. We got a hell of a show today. Yeah. Episode 8, Jimbo, we're here. Jimmy Evans is back, fresh off his rest. Had to get a little reprieve after the Florida loss, and now he's back in another <laughs> Florida loss. I feel bad for him uh, to some level, but uh, he's a great man. He's back. Uh, we thought maybe he might stay gone forever. T-Bone Pickers, <laughs> Jr., the third, is in the studio. Jimmy Evans is understudy, just in case we need any backup. Yeah. Thanks for the salute there, T. He's in his director's chair. Uh, Jimbo, what a weekend, buddy. Great weekend. Couldn't have said it any better. Than you did. That was a great little review. Um, like you said, just did so many fun things. Saw so many great people. Thank you to everybody um, for everything we did. Thank you to Classic City Collective. Thanks to Ryland Goaty, Tate Ratledge for having us on your podcast. Thanks to our good friends at UGA Football Equipment, Gage Witten and Will Wells, getting us into the facility for a little tour of the Phase 2 completion of the facilities. We got to see the new um, basically restaurant that they have in the facility, Bones. the uh, Bones Cafe, which was incredible. We got to see a couple other really, really cool things. We got to record two interviews in the facility, um, which we're very excited to share with you guys. And um, just did a lot of fun stuff. I mean, it really was an incredible weekend. And um, thank you to everybody that was involved that made it happen. And I can't wait to get back up there. Yeah, Matt Hibbs and uh, Patrick Jacobs at the Collective were um – just fabulous hosts for us, and uh, we had a great time with them. And being able to go in and go on their podcast with with Tate and Ryland uh, was excellent. Ryland and Tate do a great job. They do. Great show. And mm-hmm. That was a hell of a lot of fun. It was so much fun. Um, but action-packed, man, we were at it up yeah. early all the way through the day, mm-hmm. up in the night, back yeah. up, do it all over again. And we got back to Jacksonville safe and sound, and we're fairly intact today. Yeah, we are. We, are, we saw a big Jags win on Sunday. That was great. Our Georgia Bulldogs did great. Trayvon and Tyson on the team. And um, like you said, I'm, I'm ready to, you know, put on another great show. It was, uh, you know, not uh, the most inspiring of victories on Saturday for the dogs. I don't know if we want to kind of transition into our review. Um, yeah. Real quick, before we get to that, 
Again, thank you to everybody for listening, following along, sharing, liking, commenting, subscribing, everything. You guys keep the show alive. You keep us going. We love doing it for y'all. Um, again, as always, if you're new to the show, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Two Average Gyms, TWO Average Gyms. We're also on YouTube, and we're getting a TikTok page fired up this week. So Looking excited out. to put some of that stuff out. Um, and we do have some merchandise that we have more coming in, but we got our T-shirts in. It's finally here. Uh, we're going to be doing some contests and some giveaways for those. And um, We sprinkled some of those around Athens this we weekend. Did. We did. Yep. Some um, of the players got them, and some of the other folks got them, some of the yeah, coaches. And yeah. So we're pretty excited about that. Yeah, we are. And um, we got some just really good time with everybody up there. Have some future guests that we're uh, looking to bring on that will be really, really big time. Um, with you know within the program but really excited and just um, before we get in the review like I said thank you guys for listening and watching we really do appreciate it we love it and um, just wanted to say that real fast and now we can kind of get into the Kent State review I would say don't forget to like and follow and interact with us engage that's important to us for the mm -hmm. show and it makes it more fun for sure uh, so we need some of that and we do have a very special guest who is watching today up in Washington, D.C. Yes. Uh, my brother from another mother, Uncle Will, uh, Mr. Will Consovoy, is uh, is watching and tuning in, as I believe he always does. It's hard yeah. to miss this. We're yeah. now up to, uh, I don't know, several hundred thousand followers, <laughs> yeah. I think. Um, but in all seriousness, it's great to have... Uh, to have him watching and i hope he enjoys the show today and yeah i think he sent some questions in for us also so uncle will shout out to you brother yes shout out Miss to you him. uncle will and we'll see you soon yep um all right jimbo let's get into this review uh of kent state turns yeah. out they're you know they're a better team than mm -hmm. we thought maybe not for what, sure maybe not what kirby thought kirby warned everybody mm -hmm. um we talked about it on the show last week that they came out and they played oklahoma and washington mm -hmm. and competed for sure and then and that, they, then they played a team in their league yeah. and boat raced them 64 yeah. to zero or five or whatever it was yeah so um probably better than certainly i thought i thought mm -hmm. they were bigger yeah they, faster, they, they did not look like a, a mid-major football team bigger faster mm -hmm. well coached they exploited very us well coached and the quick game you talked about that mm -hmm. might happen and the short pass stuff uh, and some runs that we just didn't do so well. But you think yeah. about the other side of the ball, we're missing Jalen Carter. Mm -hmm. yep. That's a massive situation. Huge. We're missing AD on the other side. Yep. Um, so, I don't know. Give us your thoughts. So, uh, my thoughts, and looking back on it, that spread was, you know, probably wildly inaccurate. They played Oklahoma, um, like we said, I think week one. It was 7-3 to three at halftime. Mm -hmm. and they were playing at OU. That's competing with a big time team. I know OU lost this past weekend and and whatever, but um they definitely were a lot better than I thought. I still I mean, I get it. Some fans are like, well that shouldn't matter. It's Kent State, we're Georgia. We definitely should have played better and dominated that game more than we did. Yeah. Um I will say I thought we were gonna boat race them. Second play of the game, Brock Bowers takes it for a seventy five yard touchdown. We come out on defense, we get a three and out and you know, Ladd, unfortunately, muffed the punt. They get the ball in the red zone. We held them to three points, but I feel like if we were able to not turn the ball over there on that punt play, I 
I mean, we scored on we we didn't punt in this game, mm-hmm. so we pretty much scored every drive or we turned the ball over. Um, I really do believe if we get that three and out stop, we go down and score quick again. It's fourteen nothing like that. I think you would have seen us maybe play with a little more energy from that field goal that they got. It was just kind of like a meh game. Like mm-hmm. we just we couldn't get anything going. It was super hot. The crowd was halfway in and out. There some people left early because it's Kent State. It's noon. Some people didn't get there right at the beginning because it's Kent State and it's a noon kick. And we'll get into more of the dynamics of noon kicks later. Um, but you know, it, it just it wasn't very. It was just uninspired football. It didn't seem like we had a lot of juice. And and there was a lot of mental mistakes, too, along with, you know, when you lose the turnover battle, it's never a good thing. We threw a pick. We had two fumbles. And fake we, punt. the fake punt, we lost the possession there. Um, but also, a lot of our drives, when we got into the red zone, we had some holding penalties. We had hands to the face. We had offensive <clears throat> face masks and just stuff that set us back when we started to really have the momentum and you started to think, okay, we get a score here, we'll be, you know, we'll start to get it rolling. But then we had to settle for field goals and that you just, you can't do that against good teams. And I'm lucky that we kind of got that game out of our system. We can kind of get rid of all the rat poison that we were hearing from the media. Their opposing coach called us the greatest collection of talent in college football ever, which we have a young team that may have gotten into some of our guys' heads, our young guys, and mm-hmm. just been like, we can just show up and hang 50 on these guys, no problem. And that's not the case in college football with most teams. Um, we should have. I we, sh- uh, we should have, but I the, think the, just the, 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 the sloppiness on our part uh, really wrecked that game. Yeah. The, the three turnovers, and, the mental mistakes, the penalties you talked about. I mean, Stet, you know, first time all year, had a couple of bad throws early. I still mm-hmm. thought he straightened up and rallied just For fine. For sure. There's some drops in there, yeah. which is unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, just overall, the whole thing's like a just a fat C. Yeah, it was disappointing yeah. for sure. Yeah. It was. We, I mean, everybody would have loved to see a blowout, get everybody to play in the game, you know. That, but it doesn't happen that way. We're still ranked number one. You know, some people disagree with that. It doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Like, I mean, um, and like you said, Stetson. You know, first half, we came out a little slow. He still ended up 27 to 36 for 272 um, and a rushing touchdown with three or four drops. So I know his, like, adjusted completion percentage is definitely a lot higher. Um, We had some touchdown passes dropped. He did throw a pick, but he had a great rushing touchdown before the end of the half. I also love to see that Ladd bounced back in the second half. He ended up leading all the receivers with six catches for 65 yards. He's a weapon. He's integral to our offense. We need him firing on all cylinders, and he and he normally always is. You know, people have off games, and he doesn't. That guy's no. rock solid. I've and never but, seen that man. And he was he, he was definitely affected. That first half was odd. It was I mean, a couple of drops, a couple of fumbles, all from him. Yeah, I mean, it was an he just was off. Yeah, I mean, got, he, that happens. He bounced back. That was yeah, great to see. He did, and he respond. I think he responded to the adversity well. And you love to see that from your guys. And he's one of the hardest working guys on the team. So, like Coach Smart said after the game, you know, no one feels worse about that than Ladd. Yeah. So, um, I'm not worried about him in the future. Um, And I, you know, to go to special teams, you mentioned the fake punt earlier. I thought it was kind of a mixed bag because we blocked a punt, which is always great to see. 
the fake punt, you know, uh, we were in a prevent safe defense and somebody, you know, Coach Smart said again, somebody just lost eye control, let someone, you know, they were in man, should have had them. And um, when it's fourth and one like that, if you have a fraction of a second, you know, misstep or behind, they're going to get one yard. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, you know, we we never punted, but um, Kiaris Jackson averaged slightly over 25 yards per kick return. And we haven't had the chance to get many kick return reps in because we haven't let other teams score that much. Right. So I thought that was a good sign. Um, so kind of a mixed bag with special teams and overall, like we talked about, it was disappointing. And I think you saw the effects of a very hot noon kick. We talked about the crowd and kind of being halfway in it, halfway out. Um, and just a young team busted coverages were happened there, missed tackles, drop balls. And, um, I think, you know, we need our key leaders on the team to, step up and say, you know, that's not the standard of University of Georgia football. We'll get it corrected. Um, and you young guys, because we do have a really, really young team of contributors. And now you can say, look, we're every day. There's a reason why we practice this hard. There's a reason why we need to execute this way. So this stuff doesn't happen. Because if we were playing a better team, you know, that result may have been different. Right. Right. Totally. This review is brought to you by Blue 32, our friends of Blue 32, Drayton and Kira over there taking care of us all the time. Again, go there for your recovery from workouts, sports, health reasons, um, illnesses. Uh, they've got great stuff there, and they're wonderful people. I was there today for my recovery from downtown Athens, and, man, <laughs> I'm telling you, it is a game changer. Thank you to Drayton Care at Blue 32 for always being a part of the show. Jimbo, uh, I think you I think you summed that up well. Um, trying to give everybody a picture of what it was like. I will say the stadium was packed. It was. A, a little shortly after kickoff, it was sold out packed. Packed. And I, I, I will say that I thought in the first half, we were kind of a decent crowd. Second half, I think people woke up a little bit. And yeah. then it looked like we were going to you know go. And then a lot, and not a lot, but some of the people left. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall... I mean, to look at a Kent State noon kick with the thing packed, that was pretty cool. I yeah, gotta, yeah. I gotta say that. It was great. Yeah. I would like more out of that crowd because a different opponent, we need to bring it. Yeah. I mean, Kirby should get on everybody about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, just to wrap up the review, our key takeaways that are good, I don't think you'll see as much rat poison in the media. I think some people in the media crowned us as the national champs after last week. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I, I think that does get into the heads of some of these players and other people around the program. So I don't think we'll see that. I think we got to see this team face a little bit of adversity for the first time, just not coming out of the gates great. We were never down, but we had some intense situations when we probably shouldn't in this game, but I thought we responded well. You know, the defense stepped up at the end when we needed to. We ran the ball when we needed to. Um, we ran the ball well in this game, almost 300 yards rushing. And um, so I like to see that we responded. We did have three sacks. Jamon Dumas Johnson had two in an incredible game. Jackpot Lesney looked great converting all of his field goals. And I do think another good takeaway is Coach Smart's going to use this to, you know, fuel the intensity and the focus of the team for the weeks coming forward. So that's my, you know, key takeaways that were good from the game. 
Yeah, uh, Dumas Johnson, just phenomenal. I mm-hmm. mean, I've been talking about him all year. I, I think I just love that guy. I think he's going to do big things this year mm-hmm. and next year. Jack wins SEC uh, special, special teams, teams player, player of the week. week. Uh, we actually got some time with Jack while we were there. Yeah, Jack's going to be coming on soon, maybe very, very soon. Uh, Jimbo got a chance to spend a couple minutes with him when we were in the um, in the facility. Um, yeah, on the good side, yeah, I would say it's about right. And I think maybe a few other things in there. Brock, obviously, spectacular. For sure. I mean, he's yeah. um, week after week is doing stuff that, I mean, it's pretty special stuff. It, it really is. Yeah, I mean, think about this. We are, let's see, we are four weeks into the season, and our leading rusher is Brock Bowers, and our leading receiver is Kenny McIntosh. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, and Kenny got a got dinged from the side. They mm-hmm. had a lot of side tackles. Yeah, I was just about to do a little injury update. He okay. should be good. Yeah. As for injuries, to wrap the, uh, before we get to the bad takeaways, Kenny should be good to go this week. Arian Smith was dressed out for this game, may be available against nice Mizzou. Yeah, I think uh, they'll probably be a little more cautious with him, so I don't expect him to get a ton of reps against Mizzou. Um, Jalen Carter should be back against Mizzou in a bigger role. Same with A.D. Mitchell. Heard good things about him this weekend. We were there. Um, he was running around, moving well before the game. And um, I still think maybe he's a week away. I think maybe he could be available this game, but I'm not sure that he will get many reps. Um, and, uh, yeah, but Kenny's good. I think for the most part we got out of that game pretty healthy. I think there was a little scare with Kenny like we talked about, but he's good. Just a little thigh contusion, took some ice baths shook it off he's tough um and then the only it's not injury it's off the field related Javon Bullard got in some trouble off the field um made um some not so smart decisions that's being handled um internally by the program and the athletic board no decision yet or anything but um we're hoping for the best and um just glad he's okay you know mm-hmm. he's not he's not super hurt or anything like that so he is okay um and uh, I know Coach Smart and our support staff have a really um, good way of helping guys through that process and also helping them to not make those off-the-field mistakes again. So um, that's uh, kind of our housekeeping injury update, stuff like that. And the key takeaways that were bad, what we can work on, um, I don't know about you, Big Jim, but I've said it a couple weeks the screen game killed us again. Yep. It's been a common theme by our opponents. And I think that's a product of having a lot of young guys in the secondary and um, in the middle with our linebackers. They can get a little undisciplined with their eyes. And, um, you know, that is basically what the screen game is all about. you got to stay home, stay disciplined. Nicobe Dean was so good at reading screens last year. He single-handedly blew some of those up. Um, so we just got to be better. I know Tennessee um, runs a similar offense to Kent State. Fastball, quick game, screens, run the ball up the middle with a lot of motions, RPOs, and they probably watched that game and were very excited about what they saw, about what Kent State could do to our defense. So a little nervous about what um, you know they saw as a confidence booster from Kent State's offense. Um, but we have a couple weeks to get that taken care of. Yep. Um, along with the screen, still, like you said, still had some runs that kind of gashed us mm-hmm. that I was surprised about. I think part of that was our tackling issues. 
we did not wrap up. We did not tackle well. I think we, some of the time, we had guys in the right spots, filling their gaps and keeping their gap integrity um, in the run game, but they just they didn't tackle. So um, you can have the guys there. You just you got to make the tackles. So tackling was bad. Um, losing the turnover battle was bad. I hated to see another fake punt executed on us. Um, we need to put those type of teams away earlier, mm-hmm. not have them believing and hanging around. And then the last thing, and I think this is the most important, is the red zone offense needs, needs, needs to convert touchdowns. Mm-hmm. We cannot win big games by settling for field goals. I agree. That's I the agree. Bi- That's my biggest emphasis on our offense. We need to improve in the red zone on execution. Um, MVPs, Jimbo? My defensive MVP, Jamon Dumas Johnson. My offensive MVP, Brock Bowers. Yep, I agree with both of those. I think they, they both played great. Both played great. Um, and, you know, there wasn't much to it. They're the two best players on each side of the ball. Yeah. Yeah, MVPs brought to you by Movement Mortgage, the big cat, Carlos Wilcox, mortgage professional here in Florida. He is fantastic. Go see him. Call him, email him at movement.com. You could go online and find him there, track him down. The big cat, Carlos Wilcox and Movement Mortgage. Courtesy, he's always in charge of our MVPs or one of the segments here uh, and a big a big booster of ours at a DGD. Carlos, thank you, buddy. Um, so, Jimbo, we got what's next here, NFL or? Um, yeah, we can do NFL. And then we'll give a little sneak peek okay. yeah, let's um, to our special guest this week. Yeah. But NFL dog segment, um, we're going to highlight five dogs again. So we're going to start with Roquan Smith. Had an incredible game for the Chicago Bears. 16 total tackles and an insanely clutch interception to set up the Bears for a field goal, to set him up for the win. Um, he is really having a great year. And, uh, I mean, really the leader of that Bears team and really keeping him alive. Um, so shout out to Roquan, incredible game. Wanted to give a shout out to George Pickens, our man GP had three catches for 39 yards on Thursday night football, but he had an insane one handed catch. One of the best catches you'll ever see. It's one of the Jimmy, best catches ever. That? It was insane. I mean, he's like, it's like make believe the field, the on field angle was incredible. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. one of the, some people are saying it's better than Odell's catch. Yeah. Um, so shout out. Uh, GP, great catch. Um, hopefully, he starts getting the ball more. Um, then uh, another shout-out to Nick Chubb, who's having a great year again. Um, had 113 yards rushing and a touchdown in that game. Um, and then Koi Walker had a great game against the Buccaneers in Tampa. The Packers came out with a win. He had five tackles and um, a really clutch fourth fumble at the end of the game. Um just to steal a possession from Brady and the Bucks as they were driving. So they won. Um, shout out to Quay, great game. And then Jordan Davis, he's been kind of getting more and more playing time each week. You kind of see that with some first-round rookies for some teams. Um, he's having a big effect on the run game in Philly. They got gashed the first game, and they really have not given up a lot of rushing yards the last two games um, with him in there. So some of his effect doesn't show up on the stat sheet. He did have three total tackles and a pass deflection, but more of his effect you will not see 
on the stat sheet, stat sheet just because he takes up so much room and frees up holes for those other defensive uh, linemen in Philly. Yeah, Philly's looking good. Uh, yeah. Uncle Will's got to be pretty pleased there. Yeah. We've got a big matchup this week with the Jags. With the Jags, yeah. That's going to be exciting. A lot of dogs playing a lot of dogs this weekend. It's going to be great to watch. Yeah. Um, so that wraps it for our NFL dogs segment, a little spotlight. And um, now we want to – kind of preview our special guest, Matt Hibbs, the CEO of Classic City Collective. We were able to interview him inside the Buttsmere building at Georgia in the equipment room. Um, we also spent a lot of time with him this weekend, had a ton of fun, had some great food, had some adult beverages with him. It was great at dinner, um, but he's a great guy, and um, we were very excited for you guys to listen to our interview with him. Yeah, so we, we one of the other things we got to do, I mentioned earlier when we started the show, was we got to go to this NIL uh, event that was held uh, at the stadium in the locker room. Starts in the locker room with a happy hour, hors d'oeuvres, mm-hmm. uh, cold beers in the locker room with the national championship trophy, taking yeah. pictures with that. Jimbo got his orange bowl ring, which was Yeah, that was sick. great. Uh, and then we moved into the recruiting lounge, Mm-hmm. And Kirby and Mike White, the new basketball coach, Scott Strickland, uh, Scott the baseball Strickland, coach, and also Matt Hibbs, were there to talk about NIL and what's mm-hmm. happening with it, and how you know we as supporters of the program can help impact that, affect that. Um, and it was uh, it was really cool. It was a it gr- was. really well put together event. We got to hear from Kirby himself, mm-hmm. and really the reality of the whole thing was all the questions coming from the crowd to Kirby were directed to our man Matt. And yes, yeah. you know Matt's been in the compliance space in college football uh, at Tennessee, Ohio State, Miami, uh, Miami, Georgia, Georgia, um, and he's been at Barstool. So he's been around. He's, he was one of the Barstool athletes or something mm-hmm. like that. There, yeah. I can't remember. Uh, but he's been around the, the college football the athletes, the compliance, and all of that. So really a key guy, and he's running the Classic City Collective, and what they're doing is fantastic, shepherding the players, um, all of the athletes, not just football, so every Mm -hmm. University of Georgia athlete. And um, he's going to come on and tell you guys all about it, a lot better than we talk about it. Yeah, He's just a good dude. I mean, the guy's – He's great. He gets it, um, fun, and I think he's really moving the needle there. I do too. So we – thank you again, Matt, for – just an incredible interview, an incredible weekend. And um, we talk about the 21 Club a lot with Matt, which you guys will hear in our interview. That is one of the best ways to really support the University of Georgia and all of their athletes through this new NIL period. So um, he describes it very, very well in our interview. Um, So give it a listen. And uh, thank you again, Matt, for coming on. Welcome back to the Two Average Gyms podcast, the unofficial podcast of the University of Georgia football. We're coming to you today from inside the building, inside the facilities here at the University of Georgia. We are touring the new additions uh, today. We've got our special guest interview, uh, who Jimbo is going to introduce shortly. I want to give a quick shout out to Gage Witten for letting us use his office here, and he's got his coveted ring box. I'd be remiss if I didn't point that out. It is glorious, full of all of his natty rings and bowl wing, uh, rings, etc. But enough of that. We've got a very special guest who's got limited time today. We're so glad he's here. I'll let Jimbo take it over from here. Thanks, Big Jim. Everybody, welcome back. Like you said, in Buttsmere, really cool to be back in Gage's office, the equipment room where I used to work. Wanted to introduce Matt Hibbs, the CEO of Classic City Collective. 
He's, uh, he's had a great career in the football compliance space. He did a little work with Barstool. Now he's heading up Classic City Collective. Matt, thanks for the time. Super excited. And uh, I'm really excited for the listeners to hear more about Classic City Collective. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's uh, awesome. You know, we had last night. You yeah. guys were on uh, on ours, and then now here we are mm-hmm. coming on yours. This is uh, great. We can do this. Yeah. So uh, this equipment room is a little better than, than the old one, right? <laughs> yes, way, yeah. way better, way better. Um, but just to get into it, you know, first question, what is Classic City Collective? Yeah, so it's like, you know, people hear this term collective, mm-hmm. and I think it's hard because every single school is different, you know, mm-hmm. because every single fan base is different. So, you know, what we tried to do is we really tried to make an organization that can help the athletes realize their NIL potential, but allow everyone in the fan base an opportunity to contribute and to be involved however they can. Mm-hmm. You know, whether, you know, you're a high-end donor and you want to contribute a lot to, the, to NIL, or you want to give $21 a month, you know, there's something there for everybody. So we wanted to make sure that, that we do that because we know the power of the Georgia fan base. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't want – a lot of collectives just ignore that. A lot of collectives are like, let's just get these big high-dollar people and let's just pull all this money together. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there's a lot of people who want to help. You know, mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who are like you – know, they can sit in the stands on Saturday and they can say, hey, like, you know, I, I helped put this, fee- this team on the field, mm-hmm. you know, by my recurring payments or – you know, by me having an athlete come to my restaurant and do an appearance, you know, whatever it is, we Mm -hmm. like to facilitate all of that. So Mm -hmm. we just make it easy. We make it easy for the fan, for the donor, for the player, everybody just kind of act as that middleman. That's awesome. We started, we started talking about this uh, on the show over the last few episodes, trying to educate Mm -hmm. folks on this. So it's great to have you in here. We appreciate you taking the time explaining this because it is a new landscape right? It's new to everybody. And you guys are really navigating it and leading the charge here for the, not just the football team, but all of athletics. So big kudos to you guys. And we're excited for all the listeners, and everybody out there to be able to learn more about this, having the man himself actually mm-hmm. here with us. For sure. And to kind of expand more on what you said about how it's, you keep it simple. What is the best way if someone wanted to make a donation or a recurring donation. We'll talk about the 21 club in a sec, but what, what should they do? Go to the website. What's the easiest way for them to do it? Yeah, that's the easiest, fastest, simplest way to do it. Just go to the website, you know, classiccitycollective.com, mm-hmm. contribute, kind of set your amount and go for it. Gotcha. Uh, you know, if you have no expectation of a, of a deliverable, you know, of having an athlete come and, mm-hmm. and come to your store or come to your restaurant and you just want to contribute money, that's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, anything beyond that is probably going to be an email, a phone call, you know, kind of mm-hmm. working out logistics. But, yeah. you know, if you just want to help, that's the way to do it. Yeah. We did put your cell phone out uh, on the World Wide Web earlier, so I don't know if that'll be helpful <laughs> or not. That's, that's perfect. Yeah. My wife will love that too. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so we're members of the 21 Club. I think that's one of the coolest things about Classic City Collective, and I think you guys have found kind of a unique way to create that sustainable, recurring um, investment from the fan base. So just explain a little bit about what 20, the 21 Club is, and I think you have some cool stats behind it too. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll kind of touch on where it came from, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like the origin of this, and I try not to do this, but I got on the message boards, okay? <laughs> I, I don't like message boards, you know, generally. Mm-hmm. Because, like, working in a football program and then, like, for so long, mm-hmm. you understand what's happening every day and then you see the people that, like, act like they know what's going on sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it's hard. It all the time. It's hard. Yeah, so, but I did. Mm-hmm. I got on 
and I and I see all these people complaining about NIL. Mm-hmm. You know, complain. Why aren't we doing more? Why like why don't we have more money? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know what? I kind of got mad, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna make a way that everybody can contribute because it's kind of like voting. Mm-hmm. If you don't vote, you can't complain, right? So my thing is. Get 21 bucks. That's one dinner a month. Mm-hmm. One dinner. You know, now you can complain all you want because yeah. you, you're contributing to the, to the process. Yeah. yeah. But if you don't want to give, if you don't want to put in 21 bucks, then don't complain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't complain. Like so it. that's kind of where that yeah. started. Okay. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we were just kind of crunching numbers and we're like, look, <clears throat> we wanted a low barrier to entry. We kind of like figure out what, what is the number that makes sense. You know, 21 sports. The 2021 mm-hmm. National Championship. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 21, Frank Sinkwich's number, mm-hmm. Dominique Wilkins' number. So there's like 21 kept coming up. I'm like, let's just make 21. You know, yeah. in increments of 21. Mm-hmm. Easy to remember. And, uh, you know, we're like, if half the capacity of Sanford Stadium <clears throat> gave $21 a month, we would have over $900,000 a month to pay our athletes to do NIL opportunities. I mean, I would be very hard-pressed for anyone to find a school that could – you know, really mm-hmm. compete with right. that on a sustained basis. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some schools right now that have a very high, mm-hmm. high amount of money in their pot. It's true. Is it going to be there in four years? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But who's really going to go in and be like, you know what? I'm so sick and tired of paying $21 a month. I'm going to cancel this thing. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a lot for that right. person to do it versus the guy that's like, you want $5 million again? Yeah. yeah. That's, Come true. On. that's So true. We're, we're trying to think long term. You know, mm-hmm. we're trying to think of the freshman who just comes in and we're like, look, we can help you out. And like, we got this money for him to actually know that when he's a junior, it's still going to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that was kind of the, the start of that whole process. That's very cool. And I, I agree. I think that's something that is very underrated. And like you said, I don't think many schools are thinking that way. And I think also a lot of people, the general consensus around NIL is people just think every school has these massive donors to give tens of millions of dollars when maybe some do but not all of them. And so I think it's going to be very cool for people to hear that. I think um I think you'll get a lot more 21 club members after, you know, uh, who listen to our podcast and in Florida that maybe didn't know much about it and the impact that that can have. So I'd I think that's very some, cool. I'd love to get some some graphics or anything that we could use to help promote it. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know what you guys are doing to do that, but it'd be great if we had that because we could start blasting it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We would love that. Yeah, it's um, a great vehicle. I it is. It is. The sustainability piece is, is critical. It is. And then with Classic City Collective, you know, everyone, the main thing is to, at least I think, it's to facilitate the NIL deals for the players, help them through that. But you guys also help, you know, educating them about managing their money and talk a little bit about the other things that you guys do as well yeah we just thought from the beginning it was pretty irresponsible Mm -hmm. just to you know give cash to to a bunch of 18 19 Mm -hmm. 20 year olds and not have any type of vehicle behind that that they can Mm -hmm. take advantage of for financial planning or opening a bank account simple Mm -hmm. concepts right right but i mean i've known athletes through my 12 years who put their scholarship check in a shoebox Mm -hmm. so like the simplest things they need to have a resource for that. Mm-hmm. So we partnered with Truist, mm-hmm. uh, and part of that partnership is any athlete who wants one-on-one help. You know, they will have a person dedicated to them. They can pick up the phone and call that person to ask mm-hmm. questions. Truist will provide that. That's awesome. You know, Truist will help them through setting up a bank account. Truist will help them if they're like, "Hey, wh- what does putting away money mean? Like, 
mm-hmm. what are taxes? Why mm-hmm. do I need to withhold this? But you know, they'll help them through all of that process. Mm-hmm. So and that's free to the player. Like the player's not charged for any of that. So we wanted two things. I wanted to make sure they had that there, and I also wanted to make sure they didn't go out and hire somebody that that what are the credentials of that person? I don't know. Maybe they're right. great, yeah. but who knows? Like mm-hmm. I know the people at Truist know what they're doing. They have the kids' best interest at heart. Right. So, and that's just a free service that we wanted to provide. That's awesome. So. Very cool. Now, to I, I also wanted to get into your overall background and your yeah. career. You've been at a lot of different colleges. You were in, you know, the compliance department here at Georgia. I believe you were at Miami, Tennessee, Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Did I hit them all right there? Yeah. 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 What was your favorite college town, and why is it Athens? <laughs> I was just I was going to say I don't think I can say Athens I mean, yeah. so you, the question has to be your favorite college town other than Athens yeah other than Athens other than Athens um, probably Knoxville gotcha um, you know we were there for six years so mm-hmm. I mean there's a little bit of that in there too and that was kind of the beginning of my career mm-hmm. so I went from intern to assistant AD there so you know I have a lot of good memories mm-hmm. of Knoxville yeah but you know, like at that point in our life, we didn't have kids, mm-hmm. so it was a city. You know, there was a lot of stuff to do, and yeah. like at this point in our life, we have two two boys now. Mm-hmm. And there's no better place in the country than Athens. That's I mean, awesome. No better place mm-hmm. because you know we live 15 minutes out of town. We got mm-hmm. land. It's like you can go out to eat when you want. You can. Yeah, it's great. We love it. That's awesome. Uh, so, <clears throat> but you're right. We've been a lot of places. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's always been very cool um, to me how you got to see all those places and. I mean, different levels of success at each school, different, you know, through the football program, different levels of success. Um, And I always thought it was really cool. And then you also did a little bit of work with Barstool. Mm -hmm. So kind of touch on that if you can. Yeah. So I was working here. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, the football compliance guy. So I was was Kirby's compliance. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was, you know, that's a tough job, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Every single. That's not just for the listeners. That's not the guy that holds Kirby's belt. (laughs) Yeah, no. No, no. Um, we're, I'm holding Kirby back and holding the coaches back in other ways, Yes, you know? yeah. not necessarily physically grabbing mm-hmm. their belt, but, um, it's a hard job. Um, you know, there's like the football compliance person, which I was the first one, by the way, mm-hmm. at Tennessee. Uh, but the football compliance person, every single person that works in football asks that person questions. Mm-hmm. That's almost 300 people when you really, boil. that's a lot of people, you know, to be yeah. asking questions. And like when you're sitting in staff meeting with 50 guys around there, mm-hmm. they want the answer right there. You mm-hmm. know, so that's that's a tough job, and um, I l- loved working here. Mm-hmm. Loved it. And I all happened, right? Mm-hmm. And this, you know, what's going to happen? Where is this going? And I had been kind of in the weeds on NIL for like a year before that, you know, kind of figuring out what it was going to look like. So I had mm-hmm. a pretty good idea, yeah, of, of the space, like mm-hmm. more than a lot of people. And Barstool, you know, Dave Portnoy. Um, kind of day two, I think, or day three of uh, NIL, he just puts out a video like, hey, you might want to be a Barstool athlete. And they end up with 140,000 Barstool athletes. Crazy. Which is insane, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's a lot of action. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> so they have this database with 140,000 athletes. And then they're like, well, now what? I mean, there's something we can do here. You know, we have all this power. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? And, um, you know, they – they reached out to me. I guess someone recommended me for the job and interviewed, flew up to New York, um, interviewed, and uh, here we go. Yeah. Uh, you know, worked worked remote, stayed down here, and tried to build a whole branch of branch of Barstool. Um, it's, it was very interesting, you know, in a very pro 
sports company, mm-hmm. you know, trying to educate them on college a little bit. You know, obviously they, they understand watching college football and mm-hmm. watching college basketball, like the business of college sports right. is so different than the business of the NFL. You know, like we're trying to make shirts and make merch. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, they're not going to let you do that. I'm like, what right. are you talking about? Like, yeah, Texas is not going to let you put the horns on. Right. You know, yeah. like things like yeah. that. So exactly. it was, it was fun. I mean, I did it for about six months, five, six months. Mm-hmm. And then the collective concept started popping up and, you know, I kept getting calls. It's mm-hmm. like, Hey, like, what are we doing here? Like, mm-hmm. what's Georgia doing? I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Like, you guys figured out, I don't <laughs> yeah. know what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. And then finally just got to the point, like, like nobody else can do this. Like, would you, do you want to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, yeah, you know, and the real, why, why I made that decision was because with 140,000 athletes, you don't really personally feel that, mm-hmm. you know, it's just mm-hmm. too much. Right. But when you focus on one school, one fan base, one group of athletes, like you can feel the personal connection mm-hmm. and how NIL is actually helping them. And gotcha. that's what I wanted. I mean, that's what I wanted to do from the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, is actually be able to work one-on-one with these kids and, and help them through this process. That just was never going to happen with 140,000. Right. What was Borgard like? Exactly like he is in every video. And I tell people that because... It's like, look, if you're on camera 12 hours out of the day, it's impossible to fake it. Right. You know, it's yeah. like physically impossible. Yeah. So, you know, people are like, oh, what's Big Kid? Exactly like this. Yeah. And it's because like, they all are because they're walking around the office and there's just someone yeah, there's just camera. every yeah. camera's everywhere. It's just you walk in the office and you know there's probably a camera somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's, crazy. that's who they are. Very cool story. Very cool yeah, story. Must have been fun. Yeah, yeah, it was it was fun. Even though it wasn't that long, but to get that experience and just to see all that, just they're, I just felt like Jimbo's been telling me about these guys for years. I just always feel like they're sort of they're like a few steps ahead. They are, and like that's I don't know if I call it, I hate like the term regret, but like that's the one regret I think I would have is if we were in a different part in our life and we didn't have kids, like we would have moved to New York mm-hmm. and done that. And I think that would have been a completely different experience. Yeah. You know, like being in that office every right. day because it moves so fast. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Like that's why yeah. I love football mm-hmm. is because everything moves so fast. And I just always felt like I was missing something mm-hmm. by being here mm-hmm. and like them up there. And so I think that would have been right. probably a different situation. Yeah. It would have been incredibly fun mm-hmm. to do that. But, I mean, we have two golden retrievers, weigh 100 pounds each, and two yeah. boys. Like, yeah. What are we gonna? Where are we gonna live? Connecticut, yeah. you know. And I'm gonna ride a yeah. train for an hour and a half every mm-hmm. day, like one way. Yeah, you know, it's like, no, that's not true. No, you're in um, country. Here. Yes, yeah. yeah. This is right this spot. is the spot. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is the spot. Um, so I know Matt, you got to get going mm-hmm. real quick. But real quick, you think we got time for a quick six? Let's do it real quick. So we'll we do a it. we do this segment. It's called Big Jim's Quick Six. He asks six questions, mm-hmm. rapid fire answers. Just they're easy, short and sweet. Um, and we can do that, and then we can wrap up. Yeah, perfect. Sounds great. Are you ready? Ready. Just whatever, whatever hits right away. Boom. Okay. okay All right. Great. What's your favorite ice cream? Chocolate. Duh. Yeah, we've had a few of those. Yep. Um, what was your sports number in high school? Twenty-one. Why? I have no idea. <laughs> I really have no idea. I think I got it at the beginning, and then it just kind of. Stayed. I we won. I think my first year, so yeah. it just kind of became my thing. Nice. Because like you know, everyone won twenty-three. It's like Michael Jordan basketball and stuff. And I was just like, 21, let's take it though. Which is ironic now that we have the <laughs> yeah, you're Right, that's yeah, what I was going to say. incredibly ironic. Interesting. Yes. Uh, favorite sports team? Outside the dogs. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. Where does that come from? Because I grew up an hour south of Pittsburgh. 
Okay. okay. Morgantown, okay. West Virginia. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So I'm a West Virginia, Virginia undergrad. I went to West Virginia undergrad. Yeah. Yes, okay. Sir. So yeah, I'm a big fan of our, our boy George Pickens. Oh yes, oh, sir. Yeah. Big yes. time. He's a household. We're favorite. trying to get him on. He's he a household would be phenomenal. favorite in our, yeah. in our house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, we got the chance to spend some time with him and and our little guy. Uh, Loves them. Just adores him. Like everything is George Pickens. But um, I will tell you one quick hot take yeah. from that is yes, that's my favorite sports team, but. I would watch Formula One racing now over over that. Really? Wow. So during COVID, okay, I like no one had yeah, to do right? right. So people are like, "You got to watch this Netflix series on Formula One." I'm mm-hmm. like, Formula One racing. I watch it, and I'm like, literally addicted. My wife's addicted. Like, That's I've, then, I've seen parts of it. It's sick. It's really, really yeah. The rise of Formula One is it's incredible. It like, is. We love it so much. We went to the race in Miami this year. It's the first ever race in Miami. I That's, mean. Cool. It's just cool because it's like you see the passion from like a European perspective, mm-hmm. and I, I never really got into soccer that much, but I can get into this. The money that's involved, the it's egos, crazy. Like, it's the teams. Sweet. The, oh, it's crazy. It's pretty sweet. It's, I mean, it's just going like this. It's, it's just phenomenal. on such a rise. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Well, okay, last couple questions. Yes. What is your favorite sport that you played? That I played golf. Okay. okay. Favorite golf course that you played? Augusta National. You played it. I did. You nice. Yeah. Did you? Like four months ago? Oh. Three months ago? I mean, two of our last three guests have both played the National. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That okay. is awesome. Okay. And wow. I, and, and what was your highlight from there? Uh, my highlight from there was I played with one ball the entire time, never lost the ball, and I shot a 84. Nice. And your handicap is? A 12. So, so look. That's so we're on the first. We're on the first tee. Yeah. Caddies are like, okay, what's everybody's handicap? Twelve. Great, great. We're playing, and this one caddy who's not mine, who's somebody else's, he like, kept looking at me like, "You're on 12. and I'm like, "Okay." So we we go. We're on eleven, and great shot into eleven. You know, make the putt, get up to twelve. Like the pin's right in the middle, right behind the bunker. I put it within four feet. He looks at me. He's like, "You are not a twelve. <laughs> I'm like, "I swear. Like, I yeah. swear I am." And then 13, I mean, at that point, I'm like, I got all the luck on my side. So 13, right? No, I missed the putt. Lift it out, of course, right? (laughs) I I need one of your putters. Um, You can have one. one. (laughs) So 13, I'm like, at this point, I'm like playing with house money. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm going to rope this thing around the corner. Why not? I rip it. It was probably my best drive I've ever hit in my life. Like, I couldn't do it again right now. Zero, zero chance. That is And the caddy throws his yardage book up, and he's like, no way, you're a 12. (laughs) And then I'm going for the green. I'm like, I'm going for it. Five iron. I hit the hill and it rolls right right back into the front of the creek. Oh, but it's still right there. So I can pick it up and still say I used the same ball the whole time. Okay, okay nice. All right, yeah. So that's that was, very cool. That was my last one for you. Yes, sir. What's your record round? Record round of golf. Yep. Uh, seventy-eight. Seventy-eight. You remember where? Pines Country Club, Morgantown, West Virginia. Okay. Nice. God, my West Virginia buddies must know that. The Mystics yeah. know a lot of those spots that you used to run around, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of them. I mean, you ironically, do? Yeah, I mean, a lot. There's some good golf there. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really good golf. Yeah. Well, that's he survived awesome. the quick six. That yeah. was so bad. There we go. Yeah, that we was one of the best quick sixes we've had. Another guy that's been out to Augusta recently yeah. and played. That's the type of guest you find here at Two Average Gyms. <laughs> yes. The CEO of Classic City Collective, uh, Matt Hibbs, has just been fantastic. He yes. He's been it out. Yeah, thanks so much, Matt. Thank you for the time. Best way for people to find Classic City Collective, the website, 
What's the social media handles so they yeah, can go Classic follow? Classic City it. CLTV. So okay. it's on Instagram, Twitter, mm-hmm. TikTok, Facebook, everything. So awesome. Follow us. Follow the podcast. Yeah. Um, Real talk. Yeah. Kate and Ryland. Yep. That's uh, that's some good content. Some it juicy is juicy stuff in there. It so is. We'll have a lot more of that coming out too. Awesome. Yeah. We're looking forward to it. Everybody, hit up Classic City Collective. Follow Matt. Follow Classic City Collective. They put out incredible content. They're great people, as you can see. And Matt, thank you again for the time. This has been awesome. Thanks, guys. Of course. Yeah, it. Of course. Yeah. We'll see. There we go. And um, now I think we uh, we go into some listener questions. Okay. So we got a lot of great feedback um, on the listener question front. There were a couple. Um, they're just great questions. And so we're going to start with um, Tyson, who sends in great questions every week. Thank you, Tyson. Who's going to be a bigger threat to win the East, Tennessee or Kentucky? That's a great question. It is. I think Tennessee. I'd like to look at the remaining schedules and see who's got the home field, you know, flavor as we get into the back half of the year and, mm-hmm. who, and who doesn't. I think that's yeah. going to be a difference maker. That's probably, yeah. Actually, it's with that factor, and that you're right, I just – I think Tennessee is better than Kentucky, but I think Kentucky's schedule sets up a lot better to because Tennessee has to play Alabama and us. Right, and Kentucky doesn't. Right. And the other thing I'll point out about Tennessee, I do think they look very good, but I question the durability of Hendon Hooker. Yeah, it's he. It's because I mean he runs a lot. He puts himself in some spots to get injured. And he's he is in that Florida game. He looked banged up. He's not the sturdiest dude. I no, mean, he's I, not. He's not huge. I question the durability there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a risk factor. Now he yeah. stays healthy. Obviously, they're they're a good For ball, sure. good ball club. Um, they Probably beat, a little concern over their defense too. Giving up, you know, Anthony Richardson looked like he could actually throw the ball in the game. Yeah, and, and we all know. Even Jimmy knows that's not true. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> So I I think I think Kentucky um I'm going to circle back and I'm going to actually go with Kentucky if I had to pick one based on the schedule and um those are two great points you brought up. Yeah. So that's a great question Tyson. Thanks for sending that in. Yeah. What's next? Um the next one is from Dom. Dom th- had a lot of fun this weekend Dom. Um this is a great question. Can you explain from a logistics standpoint why noon kicks suck ass? Yeah. So, yes, um, because, I mean, it's just so early. Yeah. And I saw a stat today. We have had, since 2010, Georgia has had 52 noon kickoffs. Guess how many Alabama has had? Seven. 15. And then I think Tennessee or Florida was at, like, 13 or 17. And a couple other teams were not close. So, for whatever reason, we were, like, noon kick university. We That's always awful. have noon kicks. It's terrible. But logistically, t- talking about working with the team, you know, the managers have to get there at 6.45 in the morning, get to the stadium by 7 o'clock, five hours before kick. Everybody's super tired. The players get there, you know, normally two hours, maybe a little inside of two hours before the game, and it's still early. Like, your body is not, you know, you, you practice – pretty much every day in the afternoon. A lot of the games are, I, I don't know, we play a lot of new kicks, but like physically their bodies are not ready to play 
at noon because they're always their body's on a schedule mainly in the afternoon. You can't practice at noon. You have classes. So logistically, you know, it's just earlier. The players probably didn't get as much sleep. You know, it you eat differently in the mornings when you play a noon kick. When you play a three thirty or a night game, you can probably have a little bit more traditional day nutrition wise and hydration wise. There's more hours where you can be getting fluids in your body. So I think we did see some guys get tired in the heat. We, did. It was we saw some hot. guys. Yeah, it was. So logistically, all those things, and from a fan perspective, because this was, we have another question related to that. Um, I mean, this was my first time really in the stands. You know, it's tough for everyone to get there on time for a noon kick. It's tough for everyone in that heat to stay the whole game when you're when you have a game like that. Now, when it's a big game like Arkansas last year at noon, it was the loudest I've ever heard the stadium. Yep. But I, all of those things, logistics-wise, are just it, it. It's not great for noon kicks. It just sucks. It does. Yeah, it just sucks. Um, next question is from Molly, who was there with us this weekend. Um, Molly asks, and this is a great question: What was your favorite part about getting to be a fan in the stands at a home game? Because I had never been able to do that. Well, since you, I worked you, the team. you well, so yeah, yeah, you've done it before. You were at yeah. University of Georgia, but since you got there, that's right. your first one, which was kind of funny because we're walking around, we're tailgating, and Jimbo's like, "Wait, what? What do we do here? Where, yeah. where, where do we go? Wait, do I have to put this down?" I'm yeah. like, "No, no, you're fine. Just come with us." Yeah, I had no clue where to walk because yeah. we're. I'm always just in the locker room already, so it was super fun. I think my favorite part was just getting to see all of the pregame traditions, the hype video. The music, you know, the national anthem, everything, because I got to see parts of that as at my time um, with Georgia football, but not all of it together. And really just feel like seeing it from that viewpoint too, seeing it from the stands, getting that like really take in the whole stadium. That was really a, a special experience. I was almost like crying before the game because it was just. It was so emotional. I don't know what came over me. It was just different. It felt different, and it was very fun. So shout out to my awesome girlfriend, Molly, for that question. Thank you. Thank um, you, Molly. Great times this weekend. It was great to have you there with us. It was great. Um, Chandler, uh, our buddy Chandler, sent in another great question, and I, I, we were talking about this a little bit this weekend. Um, he's asking thoughts on Georgia Tech's, Georgia Tech's next hire. Because they did fire Jeff Collins, and I believe they fired their athletic director also. Well, you know, they're obviously going to try to come after some Georgia people, which they're not going to get there. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I haven't. I, I I don't know who that would be. I because it's a it's a the program's in a funky. It spot. is. It is. They probably have to go. It's at an inflection point where it's at a point in time where do you really think you can win there? I think you got to go with a former player. Yeah, somebody that really somebody that's tied to the program. Yeah, that wants, that's a good idea. That wants it. That you know, really. Yeah. On a level that really most people don't get to, because um, you're not. I mean, coaches are not going to go there. Correct. And sit there in the backyard of Kirby Smart and try to recruit against the guy. Yeah. And it's, try to bring the program back right. from kind of the ashes or whatever it's in now. Right. Um, I think one guy, his name's been circulated a lot. It, it could be far-fetched. I don't think it'd be a bad hire. Um, is Deion Sanders, I mean, he's shown he's basically blowing out every team. 
in their conference and at their level. Um, you know, he played for the Falcons. He's got that swagger. He's a great recruiter. He's a great relationship builder. And I think, I mean, he knows the game. He's a great coach, obviously. So I don't know if that necessarily would work at Georgia Tech, but it might be just that kind of outside of the box hire that it takes to, you know, get uh Listen, if, you program, get if your program's in trouble and you can get Dion. Yeah. You get Dion. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, no brainer. And I don't know how real of a substantial rumor that is. I don't know if he wants to leave where he's at. Um, but, you know, I, I think maybe that's a target for them. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you, you know, he's he's coaching his son, right? His son plays quarterback. Correct, yeah. Um, and maybe he transfers with him to yeah, Georgia Tech and they like got a that. quarterback yeah. right away. That's yeah. the most Be important. To see. Yeah. Um, but another great question. <laughs> Thank you, Chandler. Another awesome question from Kevin. Um, he's Kevin sends in a lot of great questions. Appreciate it, Kev. So this one says, um, besides wide receivers, what other position group would you choose to work with and why? Mine would be the quarterbacks, just because I was a quarterback in high school. I just loved everything about playing quarterback. And um, I would have loved to just work with them to see what type of drills they did and to just watch the quarterback's fundamentals and just to watch them play quarterback because that was my favorite thing to do in high school was play it, coach it a little bit, analyze it. So for me, I'm just such a fan of QBs that I would I would go with the quarterbacks. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that wraps the listener questions for the day. And now, Thanks for sending those in, guys. Thank you, we guys. love those. Keep sending them. Yes. Um, and now we can go into our Mizzou preview, um, which I'm I'm really excited about this game. Missouri is 2-2 two and two on the year. I, a lot of people know their head coach. He's quite the character, Eli Drinkwitz. Um, Mizzou has two wins, and they're against Abilene Christian and Louisiana Tech. Not great competition, and they weren't exactly – I mean, the Abilene – they were both, you know, basically blowouts, um, but it wasn't – they didn't play great. Um, they lost to Kansas State, who is actually a pretty good ball club. They beat Oklahoma yep. at Oklahoma, and they lost to Auburn, which they shouldn't have. The ending of that game. game was crazy, but they – They should have won I mean, They game. lost. Um, so, anyways, there are a couple of key things about them – um, and I don't know if many people remember this. Last year, Coach Drinkwitz um, called a couple timeouts with seconds left. We were beating them by 40 at home. He called a couple timeouts with seconds left to try to score on us. A couple coaches did that last year, and it really, really pissed off Coach Smart and really everybody in the stadium, our our fans, our team, our players. Um because it's just like, it's just kind of petty. Like, what mm-hmm. do you, you're down by 40. Like, you're trying to, you know, score against the great UGA defense. I mean, I kind of get it from a competitive standpoint, but we didn't let them score. Um, so that could maybe, you know, play into some coaching factors this week. Um, the other thing is that is one of the most underrated stadiums and environments to play in. Those fans get that place rocking. It's normally, well, we, 
times I was there, we played them a little bit later in the year. So normally it was cold, and we it was normally a noon kick, which is really 11 there. Um, but they it's a tougher stadium to play in than you think. It gets louder than you think. And um, a lot of their – they were the one team every year that was always very undisciplined. And, like, all their players play with a huge chip on their shoulder, and I never really understood why. So – I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some chippiness in the game, maybe some personal foul stuff. They just they they're like very fired up every game, and I I just like I I know it's a big SC East game, but you would think that we're their most hated rival. The way maybe they do that to everybody, but um, aside from the non-football aspects like that stuff, um, they have a sneaky athletic quarterback in Brady Cook who can run the ball very well played against us last year in Athens ended up winning the starting job at the end of the year um, and coach Drinkwitz likes to do um, the quarterback run game he, he loves using that and he runs a lot of motion offense likes to run the ball um, with the quarterback or the running back does a lot of um, jet sweeps sometimes and he's a uh, He's kind of a, a ballsy guy, so I would expect some wrinkles, some trick plays at the beginning of the game to try to catch us off guard, whether that is another fake punt or a double reverse pass or a flea flicker or something to get them going um, with our young defensive backs and kind of keep the – I mean, the crowd will be going. I know that. When you're number one, everyone's trying to knock you off, you know. Well, they, so, also, they also don't have to – they don't have a whole lot of stuff going on there. So, I mean, everybody's no, going to shoot yeah, for the football yeah, game to play for sure. the number one Bulldogs. We should check in with uh, Patrick Strawbridge, my buddy, who's a Missouri guy, and see what the hell they do when they don't have a game because I don't think there's a whole lot going <laughs> on there. That's true, yeah. Um, it is uh, – when I went there for a couple of our road games, I thought it was an awesome town, super fun, went to a couple of great spots. And, um, you know, I don't think – this game will be particularly close. I don't think Missouri is that good. I mean, they have not played great in their wins. They really have not played great in their losses. Um, I Again, we're playing another one of these offenses that they do go up-tempo at times. Um, I really think they're going to try to run the ball a lot to open up play action. They have a, you know, prized – you know, true freshman five-star receiver, Luther Burden, who actually picked Missouri over the dogs. So I remember that in the recruiting process. I, yeah, I feel like man, he hasn't done much this year, and I, I he's posted some stuff on social media to lead me to believe he's a little frustrated at Mizzou. But, you know, if I'm Coach Drinkwitz, I could see him trying to make him more of a game plan to rub it in our face that, you know, oh, I got this guy over you guys. So maybe a breakout candidate. Um on defense, you know how we do guys to you know players to watch. On offense, I'm I'm going to go with their quarterback Brady Cook, and maybe it's probably a long shot. Luther Burden really hasn't done much this year, but I'm just thinking if I'm Drinkwitz, I might try to be you know I don't know just kind of annoying and try to get him the ball and show us hey we got this guy over you. Um, and on defense, they're one of their biggest strengths of their team are their defensive ends Isaiah McGuire and. Um, Isaiah McGuire and Trajan Jeffcoat. Heck of a name. Um, they combined for nine and a half sacks last fall. Um, their O-line is also a strength. They returned four starters. 
And our um, <clears throat> starting running back, Elijah Young, is solid. Got a lot of time last year in a backup role um, to uh, Tyler Beatty, I believe was his name. And he, he was good. He was very good. Um, so Elijah Young is solid. So they've got a solid group on the line of scrimmage, um, which my keys, I have a couple keys to the game. Um, and I don't know if you want to jump in on any of that preview, Big Jim, if you got no, any input. No, not on the Missouri squad. Um, I think you covered it well. Okay. Yeah. Um, for my keys to the game, you know, obviously, as always, stay healthy. I think that should be a key every game. Um, stay healthy. We can't turn the ball over like we did last game. Just sloppy. When you're on the road, you especially cannot turn the ball over. You've got the crowds a factor, and you just don't want teams to hang around. Like I said, after we beat SC, it's very hard to win on the road in the SEC, no matter what you're ranked, no matter who you're playing. I know teams may not be as strong as they used to or whatever, or maybe Missouri is not as good as you know some people think this year, and we're a very good football team, but still, on the road is where the chaos happens. So don't turn the ball over. I think we need to start fast, stay focused, just, just like South Carolina. Take them out as quickly as possible. Um, control the line of scrimmage. If we do that in every game, we'll go undefeated this year. If we can win the line of scrimmage, both offensively and defensively, I think we will go undefeated. And um, I think we need to see the Georgia offensive line have a dominant game. Yeah. I really don't think we have played to our potential. We've got a lot of talent there. So win the line of scrimmage. Is Jalen back? I think Jalen Carter will have more of a role this week. Okay. So that will that is a game changer. So um, after those keys of the game, we can go score predictions. I'm predicting thirty-eight to ten. Um, I like that number so much so that I'm sat here going thirty-eight ten because we'll probably sneak in one score. <laughs> yeah. And I look up at your thing and it says Jimbo thirty-eight ten. I'm like, uh oh, I can't go with the same thing. So I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go. I kind of feel about the same, Jimbo. I think it's going to be uh, – I'm going to go 41-13. Okay. I like that. And I just want to let people know I made that score prediction this morning, and I just looked at the spread, and it's 27 and a half. <laughs> 27 and a half. And I picked 38 to 10. And mine's 41 to 13, and it's exactly 28. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's good. All right, okay. so we think we got that game yeah. <laughs> nailed. Okay. So speaking of that, let's go to our gambling picks. A lot of really good in-conference matchups this yeah. week. Oh, a lot of really games. good. Great games. A lot of really good. So Two big, in particular. Yeah, I'll let you start that off, Big Jim. So you got, uh, let's start off Kentucky and Ole Miss, um, both undefeated. I'm a little surprised game day's not there, but they're at uh, Clemson, NC State, Clemson, NC I State, and they're, which they're both undefeated. Mm. And, and so, But those are... Well, Kentucky, Ole Miss, what, Kentucky's, what, seven? And yeah. And one pole, eight in the other, and, mm-hmm. and Ole Miss Ole Miss, is, yeah. I think, is 11th. Yeah. Or two. They're both they're, highly ranked. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is an underdog at home. Mm-mm. Oh, they're not. No, they're favored. Six and a half. Oh, I thought that was the other way around. Mm-mm. I did some great research there. Still having <laughs> some uh, lingering effects from downtown <laughs> Athens, it seems. Um, what are you going to do on that one, Jimbo? Because I had it backwards. Well, I... See, I think I think I got to go Ole Miss. 
that's who I picked. But yeah. I thought they were getting the points. <laughs> um, I really, I think that atmosphere can be awesome. Obviously, at the Grove at Ole Miss, I think it's an underrated atmosphere in college football. I really, I think Lane Kiffin will out scheme Mark Stoops, just because I'm I'm a big believer in how smart Lane Kiffin is mm-hmm. as an offensive guy. So I'm going to go Ole Miss. Okay. I'm going. I'm doing and I'm double thing. checking. I'm sticking with it. Do you double checking the spread. Yeah, it's it's Ole Miss six and a half. Okay, I'm going Ole Miss. Okay, uh, next game Alabama Arkansas in Fayetteville. Yep, Alabama's favored by seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you like there? I don't. Last year, see, I, my biggest thing with Arkansas is their secondary is very weak, um, and and Alabama's strength is throwing the ball. But 17 is a lot of points. And last year, this was like a three-point game, maybe even less than that. They Arkansas played them so competitive at Alabama. I wish that Arkansas had beat A&M because I feel like this would be – they'd have a ton of momentum. At the same time, I think it could be a bounce-back game where they're really looking to make a statement. Because if they win this game, even though they lost to A&M, they pretty much control their own destiny in – the SEC the West. West. Yeah. So, I think I'm going Arkansas plus 17. That's just too many points for my liking. I'm doing the same thing. All right, next one is uh, A&M, Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Is that Mississippi At Mississippi State, State. Right, in Starkville. Yep. Um, the line is? Three and a half, Mississippi State is favored. Yeah, just that kind of surprises me. They're They're better than... It, it's a little surprising. I, I think they're better than people think. I really... Are they ranked? Um, I don't think so. What's A&M ranked? They're in the 20s, I think. I think they're lower. They might be. I didn't I didn't see what they were for this AP poll. So, I know they just beat a good Arkansas team, but... Which... What are you going? I don't know. It just... It's a weird know, line. Vegas usually knows. Yeah. I mean, that's weird. Um, I'm going A&M. I, I think they're going to win the game. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Mississippi State. They okay. burned me against LSU, but I'm going to. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to go Mississippi State. Okay. Uh, LSU Auburn at Auburn on the plains. LSU is favored by eight and a half. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm going with my goddaughter Care Care Bear. I'm going Auburn again plus eight and a half. I'm taking them. This is a tough one. I think I'm gonna have to have to go with you. Okay. I'll go with Kara. Okay. Auburn plus eight and a half. And then we've got the Georgia Mizzou game. And that's an auto auto bet for us, Georgia yep. spread. Yep. Georgia minus twenty seven and a half. I believe it actually opened up. Uh, at 26, right after the Kent State game, and it has been moving, you know, upwards. I think so. I I like it at 27 and a half. I think we're going to see a similar uh, effect to after the Sanford game. We kind of didn't play the best game against Sanford. I mean, it was in the rain, um, and it was obviously it is a weird game. The Coach Hatcher vibe there, um, and then we come back out and just smash mm-hmm. South Carolina. So I think the guys will be ready. I think Kirby's going to have him ready. I think he's he will use this game as a motivator. 
mm-hmm. and I think we'll be ready to go. Key will be health. I got. I really want. I want to see Jalen Carter in there. I want to see Kenny McIntosh in there. I would love to see AD and Arian in there. Mm-hmm. I know we can't have everything, but um, Jalen Carter would probably, yeah, probably be the biggest piece that I'd want to have. I think he will too. He just opens up the defense with the presence he has. And, I mean, you're talking about a guy that's going to be a top five NFL draft pick. So, anytime he's in the game, he's going to have a drastic effect. Um, and he didn't play much against Kent State, so that's part of the reason why they ran the ball so well up the middle. Yeah. I mean, he single-handedly, you know, has that effect on the game. Like, we don't have Devontae Wyatt, we don't have Jordan Davis, but we have Jalen Carter. And um, when he's healthy, to your point, we are a different defense. And you know, one thing we forgot to mention, Michael uh, got banged up in a little thumb oh, issue. Oh, yeah, a little thumb issue. It should be fine. I think he's okay. They can club that up, and <clears throat> he'll be fine. So hopefully we're we're focused this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll find out more about that as the week Close, goes on. Closer to full strength. Um, we may have Pod on here this week. Uh, yeah. It might be next week. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're excited about that. And yeah. other future guests coming, some that we got to do this week. Uh, just an overall awesome weekend in Athens. It was great, great to be back. Great to be in the stands with you for the first oh, time awesome. after being with the team uh, and all the stuff. Huge thank you to everybody. Georgia Game Day Center taking care of us. Yes. The football condos, Tiffany there, uh, and everybody else on staff. It's just a, mm-hmm. it's a phenomenal spot. Um, and all the watering holes and restaurants and all yeah. those places. We found some new spots that we hadn't been to before, right? Yeah. Demo? I mean, it, yeah. And we hit some of our old normal places. Mm-hmm. Um, so, a great weekend. I'm super excited for this week. We got a night game, which will be fun. So, thankfully, uh, probably do Jacksonville Bulldog watch party for that. Uh, we do have Jacksonville Bulldog Club meeting Thursday at 530. If you're local, come out. Yeah. Uh, we'd love to get some more members in there. We are mm-hmm. the largest Bulldog Club in the country. Uh, and we did set the tone in Athens this weekend about the Jacksonville Bulldog Club and the strength and the passion of what's going on in North Florida down here with, mm-hmm. with our dog fans. And I can tell you they heard our message loud and clear. Uh, the whole, all the guys in the facility, uh, we told them all about it, and they love it. Uh, we're super excited for what we're doing at Georgia, Florida, and partnered up with some folks for that. That is going to be a spectacle, Jimbo. We'll it get is. into that for the listeners uh, as we get closer to the game, but that will be an opportunity. There'll be several hundred people there. Yes. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Deal. It's going to be fun. So uh, I think, Jimbo, episode eight, buddy, I think that's it, man. Yeah, I think I think it was a great show. Give us uh, Y'all give us your feedback. We'll see you next time, and go dogs. Go dogs. We'll have the merchandise out soon. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys.